Let's just lift our hands and let's begin to pray. If you believe in God to get married, believe in God to have a family, then just begin to lift up your hands and just begin to pray right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we're coming to this series, Father God, on relationships, Father God. And it's not just about relationships. Number one, it's about our relationship with you. But Father God, we're not getting our needs met by some other means other than you, Lord. So today, Father, we pray in Jesus' name, our first priority would be you. But Father, thank you, Lord God, that you have a promise for each of us to be settled in a family, in a home, to have a family in the future, Father God. A person, a friend, Lord, someone we can be married to, Father God, in the name of Jesus. And Lord God, some of us are ready, Lord, and you can just bring that husband or wife alongside us, Father God. Some of us are not ready, Father God, and we need to prepare our hearts today to get ready in the name of Jesus, to have godly character. And we pray for our heart and we pray for our characters today to be ready in Jesus' name. Father God, we pray for our mind and our heart to be focused on you, Lord God, not seeking, Lord, a husband, not seeking a wife, as Paul said, Lord, just remain as you are. Seek God. Put your heart on God. Lord, we pray in Jesus' name as we seek you first, as we put you first place in our lives, we believe Lord, that you'll bring the right person at the right time into our lives, Lord, in Jesus' name. Father God, someone we can have a journey with, someone we can have a future with, someone we can start a family with. So Lord, we pray. Glorify your name. Glorify your name through our lives, Father God. Glorify your name through our families, Father God. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Let's give Jesus praise here today. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Good, thank you, team. Well, welcome to the new series on, on relationships. My first love is the topic today, looking for love. Anybody looking for love today? Hallelujah. Anybody in love? Anybody in love with Jesus? Hallelujah. Well, some of you are not even sure about that. I better preach harder today. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory. Well, it's, good. it's a good topic as we look at the pursuit and the priority of God in our lives. And we've done many series like this over the years at KT. And you, I'm sure you can look there in the bookshop and get some of the material there that we've done in the past. And also go on kt.org and you can get many of the different things there as well. But we're going to start off in John's Gospel, chapter 4 today. And I'm going to just read verses 1 to 18. Because the, the topic of today is my first love. And the priority of God in our lives, uh, looking for love. And here in John's Gospel, chapter 4, verses 1 to 18, you find a lady who was looking for love. She was looking for love. Maybe in the wrong places out there today, there's many people looking for love, but maybe it's in the wrong places. Uh, people go out on a Friday or Saturday night. They have a one-night stand. They're looking to get their needs met, their physical needs met. Maybe it's even their emotional needs met. And when the next day, the guy or the girl doesn't want to know, they feel uh, have a broken heart because they're trying to get their needs met in other, other things. And then when we come to Christ, obviously Christ is healing our hearts, making us whole, making us stronger. But sometimes we're suffering in different areas of our life and we do need God to strengthen us. Here, let's read John's Gospel, chapter 4 and verse 1 to 18. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, that thus by the, sat by the well, it was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. And then the women of Samaria said to him, How is that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? 
for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God, and here it was who says to you, give me a drink, you have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then will you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up to everlasting life. And the woman said to her, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. And Jesus said to her, Go and call your husband and come here. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. But Jesus said to her, you have well said you have no husband, for, the, for you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband, in that you spoke truly. Father, as we come to your word today, we pray in the name of Jesus that you'll anoint your word. We pray as we share together, Lord God, that you'll show us areas in our lives that we need to work on, that you are our priority in Jesus' name. Father God, get rid of every distraction, every fear, every anxiety when it comes to this topic, Lord God, in Jesus' name. And give us a healthy picture of you and a healthy picture of what you want in our lives in Jesus' name. I don't know if this passage of scripture describes you, but this woman was simply going every day to draw water. It's a picture of our lives. We're going there to draw nice water from this world. Many people, in fact, 90% of people out there today in London don't believe in God. So they're going to draw worldly water, trying to get satisfaction, trying to get fulfillment from some of the means other than God. And this woman, she's just drawing normal water. Jesus feels he needs to go through Samaria. So it's a bit like a divine appointment. Jesus meets this woman and he has a conversation with her. And it turns out that at the end of the conversation, this woman has had five husbands. Now think about that for a moment right now. Five husbands. I don't know anybody who's had five husbands, do you? Not many people, and that's today. Maybe these people have had five relationships, five one-night stands or things like that, but not five husbands. So we know that she went through a tough time in her life. And then she's on her sixth man, but this time he's not her husband because when he says, go and call your husband, she says, I have no husband. He says, you're right, you have no husband. You had five and the one you're with now is not your husband. So she's reached the point in her life where she's been broken so many times. She's on a sixth guy and she's thinking, I cannot commit to this guy because she's seeking satisfaction. She's seeking fulfillment in relationships and she's got to the point where it does not work relationships as far as she's concerned doesn't work and she doesn't want to commit herself to another relationship. How many people do we know like that today? Being through many relationships, eventually thought to themselves, it does not work. I met a girl in church and she was here in church for quite a long time. And uh, many people were getting married. We'd started the, what we called the praise party back then. We didn't start the praise party for people to get married. But after a couple of years, people start getting married. They were involved in church. They were young. And she was serving. And after about five years, I asked her, I said, are you thinking about getting married? And, you know, and I asked the question. And then I was surprised to be at the answer. She said to me, although she was a godly Christian woman, she, saw, she says, I'm not even sure that marriage works. I'm not even sure that marriage works. I wonder if there's many people here today even in church, who've looked at their families and looked at their own experience and thought to myself, my God, I don't even know if marriage works. And that's an obstacle in itself. If you don't believe that marriage works, godly marriage works, then probably you're not going to ever get married. I want to tell you today, on the other side, it's never too late to get married. 
I also know a gentleman who's worked in the church for a, a good time, probably over 20 years in the church. He went through a very painful divorce and he thought, my God, this guy will never get married. Well, he was retirement age. I think he's 66, 67, something like that. And guess what? God, two years ago, brought a lady into his life. Hallelujah. And last, I think it was last year or the year before, he married her and they're happily married. Hallelujah. So it's never too late for you. You're not 67 yet. Hallelujah. You're not that old. You're still young. Amen. And God's got hope for you. But this woman, she'd reached the point in life where she thought, my God, does marriage work? Well, I want to tell you today, when I was praying down there, I was praying for you that because God has a specific person for you. Amen. God has a specific person for you, a specific wife, a specific husband, someone that you can spend the rest of your life with, no matter what you have experienced. And we know that people today, it's not just relationships where people try to get fulfillment. They try to get fulfillment in their job. They try to get fulfillment in their parents. They try to get fulfillment in an older person who wants to speak affirmation over their lives. Rather than getting our affirmation and our strength from God, we try to get our affirmation, our strength from all different kinds of people. And maybe today, you're here today because you think, if I just got a wife, if I just got a husband, I'll be happier. I'll be more content. If I just got married, life would just be amazing. Well, I'll tell you right now, life can be amazing for you right now. And if life isn't amazing for you, what type of life are you going to bring into that marriage? Certainly, how many people want to marry someone who's unhappy? Anybody here today? How many people want to marry someone who's happy? Amen? We all want to marry someone who's happy. So you need to get happy. Hallelujah. You need to get fulfilled. You need to allow God to work on your life. So when you do go into that marriage, into that relationship, both of you fulfilled together in God are going to make that marriage, that family, a happy marriage. Amen? So what is love? What is love? What does the Bible say about love? Well, there's three Greek words, and you might know them. Philios, or philio, means the friendship type of love. We all show natural friendship to people, the natural kind of love. Then there's eros, the sexual kind of love. And then there's what the Bible talks about, agape kind of love, which is the love that we receive from God. We don't naturally have agape love. We look at the world out there today and many people will come into the church and say, how can God allow the atrocities there in Iraq? How can God allow suffering in the world? Well, the answer is quite simple because we're all born as sinners and we don't have the love of God. We have natural love and natural love is, hey, if you love me, I'll love you. But if you don't love me, I'm not going to love you. That's how we respond. If someone slaps you, you're going to slap them back. Someone hugs you, you hug them back. That's how we are as human beings. But where does this love come from? It comes from God. And it happens when we're born again. When we become Christians, God changes our lives. He takes out the stony heart and he gives us a heart of love. Jesus said it like this. The love of God in our lives, the world will know that we're his disciples because of our love for one another. How can we love our enemies? Impossible. Unless God is moving in our lives. God desires no man to perish, but all to come back to him. So today we're talking about our first love. In 1 John 4, verse 7 to 11, you read about where this love comes from. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifest towards us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Another way of saying that is how are we going to love one another? Well, simply by knowing God, putting God first place in our lives. 
I know when it comes to relationships, relationships can hinder your destiny. I remember in 1993, I came into the church and a guy was preaching at a conference and he was talking about destiny. I never really thought about destiny. In fact, when I reached my school years at 16, I didn't really know what I was gonna do with my life. No one had really advised me. My, my father wasn't really there in my life. In fact, all my dad said was, listen, you just gotta study and you study and you study. He didn't give me any reasons. So me being me, I just decided, my God, well, I'll just do whatever I wanna do. Thank you very much. So I didn't really know what I was going. When I got born again, people started to talk about destiny. This man was talking about destiny. He said, you know what? You can miss destiny. I never thought about it like that. You can miss God. You can miss revival. You can miss God's perfect plan for your life. And when he was preaching, I thought, my God, can you miss God? Can you miss what God has called you to do? And many people miss their destiny because they get involved in wrong relationships. And it doesn't need to be a, a, a physical relationship between a man and a woman. It can be just friendships. Bad company corrupts good character, the Bible says. So it can be any type of relationships. You might know someone today who's no longer in church because they're now in a relationship. And that relationship has come in front of God. That's what we're talking about today. That relationship has come in front of God. Now, relationships are not wrong in themselves. God wants us to know each other and be friends and things like that. And God has a promise for us to be married. But sometimes we fall away from God. We fall in the trap of getting into relationships that are not godly and relationships that distract us from God. I remember a gentleman who came to the church, part of uh, some twin brothers that got saved, and, and we were just discipling him. And for some reason, he wasn't moving forward with God. There was two reasons. One, he wasn't baptized yet, and we were advising him to be baptized. And for some reason, he was just suffering. He was saying, how can I be baptized? I'm struggling. I can't get out of this sexual relationship that I'm, that I'm in with this lady. I'm just emotionally attached, and he couldn't break free. We advised him, give him counsel and things like that. I said, listen, what you really need to do is get baptized. And he said, oh, I don't feel. I said, listen. Getting baptized is not about you living a godly life. You're saved by believing in Jesus. And your step of obedience in the baptism tank is saying, listen, I'm gonna set myself free from every bondage, anything that's hindering me, because Jesus is Lord of my life. Now we know there's nothing living in the water. It's the symbol. When I've seen people delivered from demons in the baptism tank. They've been set free. Chains have been broken. It's a type of stepping forward. I said, listen, you step forward and get baptized and we believe God. Well, anyway, this lady that he was involved in said, I'll get baptized as well. So for whatever reason, she gave her life to the Lord. She felt a bit like she'd repented. I didn't really feel that she did repent. They both got baptized. But something powerful happened to him after baptism. When he got baptized in the baptism tank, shortly after that, he got baptized with the Spirit. You could say he really got saved. He really got born again. And he woke up to the fact, he thought, you know what? This relationship is not of God because God is my number one. I've realized that this relationship kind of continue because I know that if I'm going to follow God, I can't have this relationship. Anyway, what happened was this lady, she, she didn't really believe in God and she went away. And this man moved forward with God. He moved forward with God. Often relationships can distract us from God. I want us to turn over to Revelation chapter 2. And this is where the Bible talks about first love. It's talking about in the context of the Ephesian church. As you're turning there, I want to tell you a story. I was in a conference one day, and I never thought about relationships like this. But you know what? We're all Christians here, but there's different types of Christians, isn't there? Different types of Christians. Now, there's people who attend church. 
Now today, people who attend church, then after the service, they may be doing a number of things. They may go to the pub. Nothing wrong after the pub. They may go to the cinema after. They may go and watch their TV show. They, they may go into a week of watching television and just chilling out with family. In fact, the only thing spiritual that they do is right now in the hour and a half that we have together. That, for me, is not a good way or a good Christian who's going to build a good godly relationship. If our spirituality is just in the four walls of the church and it doesn't actually happen in our lives, then when you marry that Christian that you think is right next to you on a Sunday and they're not really a Christian during the week, guess who you're going to marry? A six-day non-Christian. A six-day non-Christian. And I'm telling you, people get married today to people they don't know what they're like outside of church or outside the cell group. They don't know what they're like. And I tell you, if you're ever going to marry someone, you need to see what they're like outside first. With their business colleagues, with their non-Christian friends, with their Christian friends, you need to see what they're like, not just in church. This exterior that looks like, I love God, hallelujah. Oh, this man loves God. Well, what's happening in the heart? We don't see the heart. The only way you can see someone's heart is see what they're like outside. If you want to see a godly character in a man, see what he does on the football field. Amen? See what he does on the football field. Go and say, hey, you play football every Saturday. That's okay. I'll change that when we're married. No, hallelujah. No, I want to see what you like on the football pitch. I want to see if you lose your temper. I want to see if you're a godly man. Thank God you're a godly man in church. Here, in Revelation chapter 2, Jesus is speaking to the church through John gets a prophecy, he's talking to the church about the first love. To the angel of the church of Ephesus, write these things, says, he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil, and you tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars, and you persevered and have patience, and have labored for my namesake, and have not become weary. Now this is a picture of somebody you would think who loves God. I mean, they, they are persevering. They, they've labored for God. They're working for God. They've been tested. Hallelujah. And they still come through. That's a picture. Sometimes when I think of Katie, I think of that. I think, my God, we're a church. We're doing good work. We're moving forward. We're apostolic. Uh, and then it says, nevertheless, I have this against you, that you've left your first love. Remember, therefore, in which you've fallen, repent and do the first works, else I will come quickly and remove your lampstand from its place. First love. What, what is he talking about there? Well, two things I want to present to you today. Number one, your first love, for me, it means your relationship with God. Your relationship with God. Your relationship with God dictates your destiny. Everything in your future comes on your knees in worship and praise to God. That's where God reveals it. Where is God going to reveal your husband or your wife to be? On your knees in prayer. Amen? Where's God going to speak to you? In your knees in prayer. Now, it doesn't have to be on your knees in your bedroom. It can be anywhere, but it's your relationship with God. That's what he's talking about. Get back to your first priority. Get back to God. Get back to God. Get back to God. If you want to get married and have a family, you need to make sure that God is first place in your life. And then secondly, it means he's speaking to the church. He's talking about the first love of the church. That word love, there's the word agape. The unconditional love of God. And Jesus said to the church in the beginning, he said, because of your love for one another, the world will know that you're my disciples. We see that right through the book of Acts. They seem to have this supernatural love of God in their lives. How do we know that? In Acts chapter 4, I think it is, many of them sold their houses and cars 
where they didn't have cars, maybe it was their donkeys in those days, whatever they had, and they brought them to the apostles' feet. I mean, would you sell your house today and bring the keys to Pastor Cullen? I know this was a supernatural move of God. I know, and it didn't happen all the time. But you could see that in that season, in that time, it seemed that the love of God was just saturating all of these disciples. Anyone had need, they started giving and blessing freely, and they started to multiply. That's what he means. He's saying, get back to God. Get back to your first love. When you go through difficulties, which you will in the future, in in married life or family life, when you do finally get married and and meet somebody, how are you going to get through those difficulties between... Both of you, how are you going to get through these difficulties? I've got one thing to suggest to you today, seeking God. Seeking God. Both of you seeking God. Now we know Christians are human and we all have flesh. We all have difficulties. But when we go through these things and we make mistakes, how are you going to make amends? Well, you're going to seek God first. You're going to find security in your relationship with God first. Instead of arguing amongst yourselves and trying to fix the problem, you're going to go to God first. I remember I was telling the story. I went to a conference and the guy was preaching and he said these statements while I was thinking about marriage and contemplating about marriage. He said, you know what? A marriage that is not built on the word of God will fall. Now, I know he's preaching <laughs> and, and things like that. And it's true. You've got to build on the right foundations. Hang on a minute. There are godly, there are people out there who are married who are non-Christians and their marriages are fine. But for a Christian, you've got to build on the word of God. And what it meant to me, it hit me as a rainbow word, thinking, my God, if I'm going to get married, I need to make sure that I'm building on the right foundation, on the, on the word of God. And what does that mean for me? Well, number one, it means keeping my eyes fixed on Jesus. We know when it comes to relationships, there's distraction. There's distraction. I mean, there's natural attraction. You might be in church right now uh, as a guy, and you've already looked at five of the ladies here. And you might think, oh, is it that one? Is it that one? Is it that one? Well, it can't be everyone. And the same for you as a, as a lady. It can't be everyone. You need to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. He says there in Hebrews 12, verse 1 to 2, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of 230 service witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking under Jesus, the author and the finish of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Well, it's keeping our eyes on Jesus. And that goes whether you're single or married, to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus is the most important priority of your life. Mark's Gospel, chapter 12, verse 30 says, Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. What what does that mean? Well, Jesus said it in the context of the greatest commandment. He said, if you are to obey any commandment, obey this commandment. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself is the second one. How do we love our neighbor? How do we love our wife? How do we love our husband? How do we love each other? By what? Loving God first. Amen. Loving God first. Then in John's gospel, chapter 66 and verse 68, I believe if you are going to have a mindset where Jesus is first place in your life, you need to get to the point where you really believe. We know there's two types of believers, those who attend church and are kind of persuading themselves if they believe or not, they're still in the decision-making process. And those of you who've got to the point where you've said, you know what? I'm serving Jesus. Jesus is Lord. The devil's not Lord. I'm not Lord. Nobody else is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And you've recognized, I'm not going to turn back to sin. 
I'm not going to turn away from God. I'm not going to get fulfillment in something else because the only fulfillment that I need is found in Christ. Hallelujah. You've reached that point. And here in John's Gospel, chapter 6, Jesus is saying some radical statements and many people are turning away. And it says there in verse 66, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Then Jesus said to the 12, do you also want to go away? Now the 12 signifies those who are committed to God. How many people do we have committed to God here today? Hallelujah. Those who are committed to God. So God's speaking to you right now. From this forward, he was speaking to the 12. Do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered, said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. That's Peter. Where shall we go? What are we going to do? I have come to the point where you are the son of God. Where am I going to go? I am not going to find fulfillment in anything else other than in Christ Jesus. That's the mindset when we're preparing to get into a relationship with somebody else. How do you know the will of God for your life? Romans 12 verse 2, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Renewing your mind. I believe that's exactly what's going to happen during this series when we're talking about courting and dating next week, and we're talking about other topics there. You can see in the Revival Times, you're renewing your mind. You're renewing your mind. Now, I want to tell my personal story for for a moment. I, I was going through a time where I finally married Torian in 2008, a couple of years, about three or four years before that, we'd been friends, we started courting, and about probably three or four years before that, we were kind of acquaintances, if you know what I mean, many acquaintances out there. And I'd reached a point in my life where I went through a difficult time, I went through a difficult relationship, and I'd reached the point, I thought, I never made the decision I'm not going to get married, but I just made the decision I'm not going to contemplate marriage if you know what I mean, at this stage in my life. And, there, and I just decided I am going to seek God. I'm going to put God first place in my life. And I, and I didn't intentionally just put it to the side. And some of you may be in that situation right now where you've you put relationships on the back burner. Maybe you've been hurt or maybe for other reasons or whatever you've thought, well, thank God for that, uh, but I'm going to seek God. Or maybe you're not seeking God, you've just put it on the back burner because you're hurt. But for me, I just thought I'm going to seek God. And during that seven-year period, I was seeking God. Now, I wasn't seeking God for a husband or a wife, but definitely not for a husband anyway. Hallelujah. (laughs) Amen. Just testing if you guys are listening. Hallelujah. I wasn't seeking God for a wife. I was focused on God. Now, some of you who know me, you might have saw me. I'm in charge of evangelism, and that doesn't mean anything. You just would have seen and heard some of the things that we're doing, and that's come out of a heart's desire on my part to put God first place in my life. The things that we do for God, where do they come from? They come from a passion for God. So the praise party on Saturday night where many people, I told you, did get into relationships, that was started because we had a passion for worship and we had a passion for evangelism. So we thought there's nothing happening on Saturday night, so why don't we start something? There's people at the bus stop, there's people out there. Get them into the service, preach them, and get them saved. And hundreds of people came to faith in Christ during that time that, that we had. And that came from a passion for God. And I, I remember one night in the, in the, in the, in the praise party, God, God started to speak to me. And I started to ask myself some really potent questions and thinking, do I want it? Do I want to get? Do I actually want to get married? Do I actually, is that something that I want? Is that something I'm believing for? Am I held back in my past? Am I held back in things that have happened to me? And I started to think about these things. I thought, my God, I wonder if I've if I'm if I haven't got the faith to move forward anymore. I wonder if I've just put it there on the side. I want to get married. I have the desire to get married, but I, 
I don't get in relationships. I don't try to build friendships. I don't try to put myself out there in, in a godly way. I don't try to get to know people. I'm not even looking, to be honest. I'm looking at God, you know. And I start asking myself some questions. How am I going to get in, in a friendship? How am I going to get in a relationship? Well, you might be in that situation right now. And remember, God started to speak to me. And uh, Toyin had sent me an email. And we were friends over a long period of time. And she sent me an email, and it was a response to a negative situation, not, not a bad situation. And uh, she, she was just emailing me, and I was, it was in Mali. I was in Mali on, on mission. And uh, yes, I was doing the Lord's work. Hallelujah. And I was checking this email, and I wasn't thinking about her or anything. I just got the email, and I thought, you know what? I didn't know how to respond, and I just responded by, hey, I don't know what you're saying there, but hey, let's, let's hook up when I, when I get back. Let's, let's chat when I get back. And that's how it started. We didn't start a relationship or anything like that, and we just started a friendship. And as we started uh, chatting, one, one night she came to London, she was in Sheffield, and um, I just started feeling, my God, maybe I could get into a friendship with this lady. If you know what I mean, maybe, maybe God's in this. You know, some of you have had those butterflies, those feelings. You're trying to distinguish between the butterflies and the feelings and what God's doing. You understand what I mean? And that can be difficult. And for me, you know, asking advice from people and good things like that that are helpful. But she came in one day and she was carrying two kids. And it was actually Ollie and Helen's kids. And, and I looked at her and thought, wow, she would be a good wife. She would be a good mom. Now, I hadn't premeditated that, 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 that thought. I just thought, wow, if someone was going to, she would be a good marriage material. That's what, that's what I was thinking in my mind. And we started a friend. And I texted her. Just thinking, she's, she's going to leave. I knew she, she was going to leave to Sheffield uh, on the Monday. So I kind of texted her by chance and said, you know what? Uh, if, you, if you happen to be around, knowing that you're not going to be around, but I didn't say that on a text message, knowing that you're not going to be around, just wondering if you're going to be around tomorrow. And she texts back saying, like straight away, this is how I knew that she liked me. Hallelujah. <laughs> she texts back straight away. <laughs> you know how it goes. You know how you're working it out. Text back saying, hey, I'm here. Now, I didn't know whether to, to think, my God. Now, it wasn't a date or anything, but in my head, I thought, my God, now I've got a date. My God, now I've got to do something. And uh, that's, that's how it started. We started a friendship. And um, some things that we asked ourselves, and we got to the point about three years later where I was praying one day, and I was thinking, well, I need to take this relationship forward. And Tom was saying to me, listen, what are, what are we doing? And I was thinking, well, I don't really know what we're doing. You know, and I believe that the, the man needs to make the decision. Amen. The man needs to make a decision and lead the wife, lead, lead the family, because the man's going to lead the family in the future anyway. Not, not dictate. I didn't say dictate. Lead. And, and we all want to follow someone who's leading well, who's making godly decisions and godly choices. And I thought, my, I've got, I've got to make a decision. But I felt I wasn't ready. So I started to pray. And, and Torian said to me, listen, we need to get to the point where we make a decision. And uh, I was praying. And God started to reveal to me my heart. And he said to me this verse in Matthew's gospel, the same verse that he said to Joseph. He said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived inside of her is of the Holy Spirit. And what that meant to me, I was in prayer. I was seeking God in prayer. I was, you know, if you've ever had a, a powerful time, there was tears and I was praying, oh, Holy Spirit, come upon me and things like that. And I was praying for Torian. And then basically God turned around and spoke to me. He said, listen, don't be afraid. Deal with the fear in your life. And God started to say to me, listen, there's fear in your life. You, you don't want to take this forward because of your past, because of the things of your past. And you're scared. Listen, don't fear. 
Don't fear, for that which is inside of this lady is of the Holy Spirit. And that was the word that God personally spoke to me, and I felt I could make a decision. Now, I phoned Torin. I didn't tell her, by the way, what God, I felt God had said to me. I phoned her on the phone and said, you know what, I've been praying for you. And God says that that which is inside of you is the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And God's going to pour his spirit. And I said some other things and I made it quite religious. But in my heart, quite in my heart, I just knew that this was a personal word to me. And then I obviously told her later when we got engaged, the things that God had spoken to me. There were seven things that we had put down that, um, that, that are working out our relationship. Number one, compatibility. Do, do you get on? You know, do you get on? I don't want you to make a decision today and get in a relationship just because you heard some spooky idea from a scripture or from somebody who prophesied over you. That's no basis to move forward with God. You need to have a lot of different things, a lot of advice. We personally went to get advice from Pastor Colin and Bruce and the church here and just taking wisdom over a period of time, not just in a week. You don't make decisions in a week. Over a period of time, a year, two, three years. Compatibility. Number two. Do you get on with this person? Do you get on with this person outside of church? Those are the questions. Then number three, are you going in the same direction? Are you going in the same? Well, some of us, I don't even know where I'm going. Well, if you don't know where you're going, how are you going to lead this lady or this, or this person in that direction or not? Because what happens when wrong people get married, somebody's got a dream over here and someone's getting a dream over there and they never talk because they're all in love and it's all emotional, it's all nice and everything looks nice. But when they get married, they say, hey, I'm going here and I'm going there. Well, what inevitably happens is they split because they've got dreams. They've got things they want to fulfill. And they didn't sacrifice that in favor of the marriage. They didn't sacrifice, hey, they didn't talk about it. They just had these dreams and they didn't talk. But it's just an emotional thing, an emotional marriage. And then suddenly they, they separated. We've seen so many stories like that. Are you going in the same direction? Number four, would they be a good mother or father? I already mentioned that. If you're aiming to start a family, that's some, some question maybe many of you don't ask. You know, first on the list, is the, is the person good looking? Second on the list for the guys, does she cook? You know, I mean, we've got a list of things, but, you know, number one on the list, does she love God? Some practical things. Can she look after children? Is she good with children? Number, number five I put here, do they love God? I mean, love God outside as well as inside the church. Number six. Can you pray with this person that you're getting involved with? Can you, I mean, you, can you pray? Can you pray? I know a guy who, who was in a relationship trying to test it out, and then he, he just started to pray. He said, oh, let's commit this relationship to God. And he just started to pray. And it seemed the most strangest thing. The lady didn't pray. He just prayed. And it just seemed strange and weird. And then that relationship ended about two weeks later. You know, it's important that you can pray with this person. You can pray because when you're in a marriage, you're going to pray together about a lot of different things. And if you can't pray together, now I'm not talking about having a Holy Ghost stomping meeting, a, a spiritual warfare, even putting Bethel music on, say, hallelujah, or whatever worship you're into. That person may be not at the same spiritual level as you are, and you need to start out on the same level and move at the same level as, as each other. And I remember when I started praying with Torian, I didn't even bother shouting or things that we do from a platform. It was just basically, we made a list, a practical list of things we wanted to pray for, and we just prayed through them. It wasn't like the Holy Spirit came in and we're all on the floor laughing or something. No, it was just some simple thing, simple thing. 
as we begin to do the simple and wrote down scriptures and just some basic devotional things, then God started to breathe on that. God started to move on that. And there's times today where we just pray and we just do our five minutes of different things. And there's times where we do our five minutes and then we start worshiping and we really go for it. But you've got to start building. At that same level, if your boyfriend or girlfriend looks at you, I don't want to pray. Well, that's the first sign, isn't it? That this relationship might be wrong. Where, if you don't want to pray, where's God in this relationship? Now, it's not being super spiritual. It's not being judgmental. It's just trying to work out whether this relationship is of God. And then number seven, is she or he a Christian? I mean, a basic point. Is he or she a Christian? If you're, if you're a person of destiny and you want to fulfill the call of God on your personal life, I believe that you need to marry a Christian. Now, don't, no doubt, if you're married to a non-Christian day, I believe that God can save your husband or wife. I believe also the scripture says that God can sanctify your husband or wife. He's sanctified at home because you're a praying woman or you're a praying man in that home. I believe that can happen. But if you're starting out and asking the question, then you, I advise you today to make sure you start out marrying the same person as you, a Christian, someone who loves God. And I wouldn't even say just a Christian, someone who wears a cross. Somebody who loves God. Somebody who loves God. And you've got to write down what that means. You've got to work it out. Somebody who reads their Bible. I'm not talking about every day. You know, they're always carrying around their Bible. I'm talking about just doing a usual devotion. What did God tell you there? Well, I read this, I read that. And you can tell. I mean, somebody who's in the prayer meeting at least once a month or something. Start off with. You never see your boyfriend or girlfriend in the prayer meeting? Are they praying? Well, for me, when I'm in the prayer meeting, my prayer life shoots up. When I'm not in the prayer meeting, my prayer life shoots down. That's the way it is. When you get around praying people, you start to have a little revival in your life. Now, I'm not saying that happens all the time. I'm sure if you're not able to make the prayer meeting, there's other ways like cell group and other things where you can move forward. But you've got to make sure that the person is a praying person, someone who's trusting God. There's many other things that I could go into today. But I want us just to pray right now. I'm going to ask that question. Is God first place in your life? Is God first place in your life? Matthew's gospel, chapter 6, verse 33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be added. I'm going to ask two things. I, I was going to preach them, but time has gone. Two people in the Bible, as we're praying together, keyboarders can come. There's two people in the Bible. One man who compromised, Samson. He compromised day by day, year by year. He was around women. And then finally, the final woman that he was with shaved his head off and he got caught and put in shackles. The Bible says he did not even know that the Lord had departed from him. Why? Because he was seeking fulfillment in sexual relationships even though God had called him for great things. But there's another man, Max mentioned him earlier, Joseph. What did Joseph do when he was caught in a situation with of his wife who liked him, wanted to sleep with him? What did he do? He ran away. And why did he run away? Because he didn't want to offend God. He didn't want to offend God. His relationship with God, his first love relationship with God was more important than any attraction or any other relationship. So he legged it. He ran away. That's the type of people that we need to be. People who put God first place 
in our life. Let's just pray together right now. Well, number one, I'm going to pray with people as I always do and always try to do. Anybody here today, you don't even know God. You don't know Jesus. You don't have a relationship with Jesus. And if you were to fall away, you wouldn't be falling away for Jesus because you've never known Jesus. And maybe today, you're here today and you used to be a Christian. Maybe you're involved in a relationship that's not of God, a sexual relationship. Maybe you failed God and today you're saying, hey, I'm not even living for God. I've come here to get advice on relationships. I'm not even prioritizing God in my life. If that's you, I want to pray with you today. And I'm just going to pray a prayer. And then after this prayer, if you pray this prayer, it's a commitment to God. It's a prayer that says, Jesus, forgive me. God can give you grace. He can give you forgiveness. He can turn around any situation. It doesn't matter what you've done. God can forgive you. His grace is sufficient. doesn't matter how far away you are from God. I tell you, God's arm's a big arm. He can bring you back. And today, you in this place say, hey, that's speaking to me. I need him in my life. I'm going to pray this prayer. And if you're in this place, that you pray this prayer. And then I want you to lift your hand and respond to Jesus today. Say, Father God, I come to you today. And I thank you for this meeting. I thank you for this series. And I ask you to forgive my sins. I admit that I'm a sinner and I need you today. Lord Jesus, I want you in my life. Come into my heart right now. Make me born again. I believe that you died on the cross for me. I believe that you rose again on the third day for my life, Lord. And today I commit my life to you, Jesus. I choose to follow you from this moment onwards. Thank you, Lord, for accepting me. Today, I dedicate my life to you. I want to do what you've called me to do. I want to be the person you've called me to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're in this place, then you prayed that prayer and you want Jesus in your life, and you say, God, come into my life, you want his forgiveness, just lift your hand right now if you prayed that prayer, and I'll pray for you today. That's it, just lift it high, right across this place there. You're saying yes to Jesus. And you're in this place today, thank you. If you're in this place today, and you say, I need to recommit my life to God today, I want to put him first place in my life. Just lift your hand high, I want to pray with you today. That's it, just in the center. Thank you, just lift it high. You know when you lift that hand, you're not just lifting it to me, but you're lifting it to Jesus. Heaven sees that hand and heaven accepts that hand and says, you're accepted, you're forgiven. Lift your hands and grab hold of God's forgiveness. And I'm gonna pray with you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every single person who's lifted their hand. There's two in the transept. We just have someone sitting, standing next to them. Lord Jesus, we just ask you that you'd bless every person who's made that decision today. Strengthen that decision. As they pray with someone after the service, God, I pray in Jesus' name they'll get part of a good discipleship cell group where they can move forward. I pray they'll take the necessary steps in baptism and getting consecrated to you. Father, bless them, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all of us stand right now as we're going to finish today. Today we prayed at the beginning of this meeting and I believe that what's going to happen is God's going to give you wisdom. RT's got a book on wisdom. Maybe some of you have been reading that and maybe you want wisdom for your future. But I'm believing God with you that you're going to meet the right person. Amen. God's going to prepare you in the right place, in the right time. If you're believing God for that, then just lift your hand right now because God has a family for you in the future. In Jesus' name. Father, we believe you today. We're learning. We're not there yet, Lord God. We're learning, Lord. We've been cracking jokes today and been funny, Father God. And Lord Jesus, we're thinking about our family. We're thinking about our future. Well, we know that you have the future. You are the future. You are the author and the finisher of our faith. You're all that we need. We decide today that we're going to seek you first. Lord Jesus, I agree with everybody here that you're going to bring the right person at the right time into their life. I'm believing you over the next four weeks, Lord God, that you're going to prepare them to be a good husband and a good wife. 
You're going to prepare them to have wisdom to choose the right person. So, Father God, we believe you in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Let's give Jesus praise here today.